telling uh, Aaron this morning, my, uh, my teaching experience is primarily to teenagers. Uh, so it's, it's uh, something totally different. Uh, and even when I spoke to the, uh, when I kind of led the young couples Bible study last year, uh, I was just on one step. So it's a little intimidating for me being up this much higher. Um, but I appreciate the opportunity. Like, uh, like Aaron said, um, Pastor, uh, I guess started meeting with Andy and I probably October-ish uh, and just said, hey, you know, I, I want to put y'all into this rotation. And uh, he had already told me about his study of the book on the War of Words and how impactful it was for him and for his family. And he said, I really want to go through this. So we just kind of started walking through um, just some basics about teaching and, and uh, he gave us the books and kind of encouraged us to go ahead and kind of get into it. And the outline that he has given us is, it's his. He, he kind of gave us the outline just so that way we can, because it is a team teaching effort, uh, we can kind of have some continuity as we go through. Uh, but um, this week it's me, next week it's Brother Andy, and then Brother, I think uh, Brother Sam's will be in here for a couple weeks. Um, so we're just going to kind of get into it here. Um, this is the book that uh, this study is based off of. It's called War of Words by Paul Tripp. Um, he's written a number of books. I know we, the couples kind of went through um, one of his marriage books. Uh, but I just want to kind of go ahead and preface this study um, the same way that he prefaces the book in stating that there is, he's not, uh, he did not write the book because he's an expert on communication and on his use of words, uh, but rather the fact that he needed it. Uh, he needed the instruction on how to use his words and how to use them properly. Um, and, and really kind of the, the subtitle on the book here, War Words, Getting to the Heart of Your Communication Struggles. Um, and you know, one of the things that I was thinking about, war of words and kind of getting into it, and as a husband, as a father of five daughters, I've always kind of had that statistic in the back of my mind that we've all heard, that women use 20,000 words a day and men use 7,000 words a day. And I actually did some studying on that statistic and it is completely and totally bogus. <laughs> uh, it was... Um, that stat came from a book that was written in 1993 and has since been debunked time after time after time. Um, now, some of my daughters do use up their 20,000 and more. Uh, other ones are much more quiet and reserved. Um, and I think we can all look at that, whether we're male or female, we know if we talk a lot, we know if we don't talk a lot. Uh, but the fact is, the words that we do say they should have some meaning to them. And so as we kind of get into this, you know, I'm just going to kind of go through, um, and I had the, uh, the privilege of introducing the study being the first week. The main idea of our study uh, behind War of Words is because God is the creator of our words, our words must meet up to God's standard and be according to his design. The key scripture that we're going to look at here, and we're pretty much going to be in Genesis 1 uh, tonight, so if you want to open your Bibles, go to Genesis chapter 1. 
in Genesis chapter 1, verse, verses 27 and 28. The Bible says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves on the earth. No matter what we do for a living, no matter where we are in our life, there's one thing that we do all day, and it is talk. Um, even if we don't talk with our mouths, we talk. Um, this uh, truth, really, as I was reading it and, and reading the book, something came to my mind. It was an episode of Folks on the Family that aired in 2016. Um, I heard it live that morning. I can take you to the exact place on Highway 70 just outside of Memphis, Tennessee, that I was when I heard uh, this interview by a man named Marshall Lawrence. Now, uh, Mr. Lawrence is a uh, father to two daughters. Uh, the oldest was hearing, and then his youngest daughter was born deaf. And so he started a ministry called Silent Blessings. It's based out of uh, Indianapolis, Indiana. But one of the things that, um, as he was just talking about the language differences uh, between his daughters, and talking about just having to learn a completely new way to communicate. He said when, uh, as his youngest daughter, the deaf child, was getting old enough to, to be of school age, they really felt burdened to send her away to a deaf school three hours away. Uh, she would go to school five days a week and then ride the bus home on the weekends. And the reason that, that they were so passionate about doing this was he said he wanted his daughter to have a language to think in. I didn't really understand. And then as he continued on with it, he said that he walked in uh, after a few months of, of her being at the deaf school. He walked into her bedroom one night to say goodnight. She was already asleep, and there she was signing in her sleep. And he said he was overjoyed because she had a language to think in. And I still didn't quite grasp that meaning. But as I sit there thinking... What's going through my mind but words? The words that I've been taught, that I've heard from, from my infancy. Everything that we think is actually a word that has a meaning behind it. It's not just the things that, we, that come out of our mouth. I, I attempted to perform an informal Facebook poll. Uh, some of you might have seen it. I just asked a question, in your own words, define the word, word. And I guess I've got a, a much too spiritual group of Facebook friends because everybody came back and said John 1, 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. That's not what I was looking for. And the WN word was lowercase, so I thought they would have got that, but they didn't. But anyways, it was just kind of one of those things where we all think about words as the, the way that we communicate. It's a formulation of sounds that convey an idea. But when we get down to it, there are those who can't speak. There are those who can't formulate those words. They still have a language. 
they still have words. And so it's a very basic understanding that I really haven't found anybody who can give me a summary definition of it. So that's when we just kind of go back to Scripture and we look at it. And that's, that's one of the reasons that I've enjoyed kind of going through this first chapter. Um, our words are foundational to our lives. As we begin this 10-week series, we are going to use a uh, team uh, teaching method. Like I said, uh, myself, Brother Andy Stant, uh, and Brother Brian will be uh, in here. And actually, for those of you with uh, teenagers, uh, or if you just even want to engage them, the teens are going through the same study. So as I'm teaching Chapter 1 this week, Brother Brian's teaching Chapter 1 to the teens. And so it's really something that as we get back into our homes and, and engaging as a church, this is, uh, these are ideas that should really permeate all of our lives. It shouldn't be, if we're looking at a, a graph of the way that our church is growing, this shouldn't be, as adults, this is going to be one area where we really, you know, start to work on our words, but our kids aren't. But this is something that we can talk with them about and and really engage them. You know, if, if you're just talking to one of the teenagers, hey, what do you think about, you know, the War of Words study? See what they're getting out of it. It's just a, a new way to engage them. Um, the series is going to be built on four fundamental life-altering principles. Number one, God has a wonderful plan for our words that is far better than any plan we could come up with on our own. As I go through these principles, they're going to be principles that are not just going to apply to words, but in this case, they do. God's got a plan for our words far greater than anything we could ever have, the same way that he has a plan for my life and he has a plan for your life. Um, the second principle is sin has radically altered our agenda for our words, resulting in much hurt, confusion, and chaos. Um, there's no end to how much sin has damaged God's perfect creation. Um, and when we think about it, so much of the way that we sin comes in the form of our words. It could, again, it could be spoken word, it could be thought word. Um, but when we think about those communication aspects as being a barrier between us and Christ. Um, it really kind of stops, it makes you stop and think. We had uh, an issue this week with uh, one of our daughters, Amelia, she's the kindergartner. Um, she comes home every day and she's got a calendar every day, it's green. You know, her behavior's been good. But the teacher sent a message and said she ended on green, but she actually had to clip down to yellow, which was a big deal. She's never had to clip down to yellow. Um, and she said, you know, I just wanted to reach out because she's been acting a little bit off since coming back from break. Uh, nothing, nothing terrible, nothing egregious, but she's just not being Amelia. And as I was talking to her about it, um, we, we kind of dealt with the situation, you know, it was a little, you know, for her, she was just like, what's going on? She had to call and apologize to her teacher. Um, but as I was talking to her about it the, that night, um, I was sitting on the side of her bed, and I actually took and pulled a blanket up just to kind of illustrate it. And I was holding the blanket, and I said, 
when you disobey, what is that? And she said, it's a sin. And I said, is God happy with our sin? She said, no. And then I took that blanket and I held it up. And I said, can you see me? She said, no. I said, can I hear you? She said, yes. And I said, our sin is like this blanket. It is a veil between us and our creator who loves us and who died for us. And so when we think about our sin, you know, that's something that even in that moment, I'm thinking, where did this come from? You know, like I, I need this. I need that visual that the sin in my life is that barrier, that my father still hears me. He still knows me, but I can't see him. I can't learn from him like I need to learn. So sin has radically altered our agenda. Uh, The third principle, in Christ Jesus, we find the grace that provides all we need to speak as God intended for us to speak. Again, the principle is going to permeate every aspect of life. God has given us everything we need. We could just put a period there. Um, The fourth principle, the the Bible plainly and simply teaches us how to get from where we are to where God wants us to be. So many times, any aspect of our lives, we can um, find ourselves in a place where we're not happy. I found myself in that place um, a couple weeks ago. You know, I just looked at Sarah and I was like, I'm, I'm just tired. I'm tired of being where I am. Physically, spiritually, mentally, in whatever walk of my life I'm in, I'm, I'm not satisfied. And I think that's a good thing. If we get to a point to where we're satisfied, then we're going to let our guard down and we're going to get lazy and we're going to get lax. And it's not going to be, we're not going to be growing. We're not going to be working our way towards becoming Christ-like. And so the Bible gives us plain instruction on how to advance. This is where we are. This is where we need to be. And he lays the path out for us. So tonight we're going to learn the very simple principle that words come from God. Um, words are significant, should be the, or God speaks is the the title of this lesson. Um, God speaks. The first point in this is words are significant. Why are words significant? Words are significant because they come from God. Uh, Like I said, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 1 a lot tonight, but if we were to start reading in the book of Genesis, and just start going. And I just looked at one aspect of, the, of communication, and it was the word said, S-A-I-D. The Bible says 11 times before anyone else ever gets to speak, God said. It starts there in Genesis chapter 1 and verse uh, 3, then God said, let there be light. Verse 6, then God said, let there be a firmament. Um, even if you want to look into it a little bit more, God called the, the, the light day and he called the darkness night. Um, so God is speaking first here. And if we look back, uh, there is a, a principle of Bible study called the rule of first mention. And basically what it says is if you want to know in the simplest terms about something, go back to where it was first mentioned to where the idea is first introduced because there is where it will be most basic and most plain. The first 11 times words were spoken, they were spoken by God. 
So we know that words come from God. And the, uh, when you think about, again, the importance of words, and, and going back to that illustration with Marshall Lawrence and having a language to think in, you know, this is not just a way to communicate. This is a way to, to communicate with other people. This is a way we communicate with ourselves. This is a way we understand our world. Um, and God gave those to us so we could understand the world. You know, I, I thought a lot about, um, you know, really what separates us from the other creatures. You know, and I, I thought about, you know, saying, you know, other animals can't talk. Well, I've seen parrots that talk. Uh, I've seen um, people, you know, tell their dogs to do something and their dogs go and do it, you know. So there's some level of understanding there, but it's not, it's not comprehension. It's not communication like we have. Those are just commands. They're cues. Even with the, 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 the talking birds, you know, those are just, they're just repeating. But there's no intimate knowledge and I, I got to thinking about it you know God God spoke to create everything except for man and with man he formed us and then he breathed into us we got we got the spirit of God when he breathed into us um, and so that's really kind of where it all stems back from then we get into the fact that uh, God had a, has a design for our words. Um, Ecclesiastes chapter 12, um, it kind of sums it all up, and we're going to use this, this scripture um, later on in, in the lesson. But uh, at the end of Ecclesiastes, we all know kind of the, the background of Ecclesiastes, the wisest man in the Bible, uh, Solomon, uh, was basically writing a letter saying, to sum it all up, all is vanity. Everything in this world is, is, is vanity, it's vain, it's washed up. All the pleasures that this world has to offer are nothing compared to what God can offer. And at the end of the book, he, he wraps it all up and puts a nice little bow on it. And he says, um, let me read it so I don't mess it up. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God. And keep his commandments for this is man's all that's it we are supposed to fear God and to keep his commandments if we go to the New Testament we can you know see where the where uh, the disciples asked Christ what are the greatest commandments and he said love God love people that's it and the thing is whether we are looking at Ecclesiastes and fearing God and keeping his commandments or whether we're in the New Testament and we're loving God and loving people that's going to come out in our words. And that is, the, that is again, one of the chief ways that God, uh, the chief tools that God gave us to love him, to love people, to honor him, to obey him, to keep his commandments is with our words. Secondly, not only are words, are words significant, but God is revealed in words. Um, God speaks to us. He uses words to speak to us. Um, he's given us the Bible, number one. Uh, 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3, verse 16, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Um, 
if any of you were not here uh, December of 2020 uh, when Pastor went through um, a two-week uh, series on Wednesday nights about the Bible and talking about the inspiration and, and how the Bible came to be. Um, it is a very powerful message. I know it's, it's, uh, it's online and we can get that for you, but to think about how God gave us the Bible that we have here the 66 books that we have that, that we refer to as his word. Um, the pastor says it all the time. If you want to hear God speak, read the Bible. If you want to hear God speak audibly, read the Bible out loud. You know, that's it. That's that. This is God's word to us. So this is how God speaks to us. The second way God speaks to us is through preachers and teachers. Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8. All, uh, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Nope. That's the wrong one. I knew I was going to have one of these mishaps. Um, Romans chapter 12. Let me get here. Don't rely on the copy and paste function. Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in the proportion of our faith. Or ministry, let us use it to the ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives uh, with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. God has given us people in our lives to impart his words to us through the Bible. Um, preachers, teachers, godly counsel. Um, if you're going to get, uh, if you're going to seek counsel from somebody, if you want to know what God says, he's given you plenty of places to get it. Now, you do have to use discernment because sometimes there are going to be those wolves in sheep's clothing. You're going to, there's a lot of people who call themselves preachers, pastors, teachers uh, that are adding things in or taking things away from this book. Everything. I've told my kids this about myself. I've told them this about their pastor, about their youth pastors. No matter what is said, always put it up against this. And if it doesn't line up with this, then get rid of it. Um, they're the when we moved here from Memphis, there was a lot of that extra biblical stuff that was kind of put into the teaching. That wasn't heretical by any means, uh, but there was a there were extra things that were expected of us, not to be saved, but it's part of sanctification. Um, and so basically it led to a very standards-driven practice of our faith. And that was really one of the key reasons that I finally gave in, you know, to Sarah's request to move to Florida, is I saw that our kids were being raised in that, and I said, I can't find that in Scripture. I have a hard time telling my kids, this is what is expected of us, so this is what we need to do when it's not in Scripture. Always, always, always uh, make sure that preachers and teachers are going back to this book. 
Finally, God speaks to us through the Holy Spirit. John chapter 14, verse 26. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring your remembrance all things that I said to you. That still small voice that's within all of us. Um, you know, I, I, can, I can honestly say God has never audibly spoken to me. And the same thing goes for each and every one of you. Um, if you heard a voice from above, maybe somebody was crawling around in the attic. Um, but we have all felt that still small voice inside of us, the prompting of the Holy Spirit, whether it's, you know, just walking in to church and seeing somebody who's kind of sitting there by themselves, maybe looking down, maybe it's driving down the street and seeing somebody, you know, just asking for money or food. Um, there, there are any number of times throughout the day when the Holy Spirit will just nudge you. Um, and again, it's never going to be in a way that's going to be contrary to the Bible. Um, if you ever, if you ever feel a nudging against Scripture, then it's not God. Um, you can mark that down. God is revealed in words. He reveals himself, but he also reveals his plan. There in Genesis chapter 1, uh, let's flip over to Genesis chapter 3. One of the things that uh, Paul Tripp mentions in the book is Genesis chapter 1 and 2 are paradise. I mean, this was a time when there was no sin on earth, that everything was perfect and pure and pristine, just as God designed it to be. And then we had to go and mess it all up. Um, but here is where God uses his words and he reveals his plan to us. Uh, verse number 14. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. This right here, of course, if you don't know, this is the first real mention of the prophecy that Christ is going to come to earth. Um, if you look there in your Bible, uh, and between your seed and her, capital S, seed, that is talking about Christ Jesus himself. Um, it says that he shall bruise your head. Um, that's going to be the death blow. Okay, if you think about a snake, if you want to, if you want to kill it, you're going to go straight to the head. Um, so it says, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. You're going to hurt him, but you're not going to kill him. You're going to take him down for three days. And then he's coming back after you. Um, then verse number 16, he tells us, you know, this is where you're going to be because... Um, because of the sin uh, verse number 16 to the woman he said I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception in pain you will bring forth your children your desire shall be uh, for your husband and he shall rule over you verse 17 then to Adam he said because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you saying you shall not eat of it cursed is the ground for your sake in toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life 
both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. All of God's plan in redemptive history goes right back to this point. And this is where he uses his words again to tell us this is the plan. When I think about all of that time from creation to when Christ was born, uh, or to really when, when he died on the cross, uh, depending on you know the historians you look at, 4,000 years. Um, 4,000 years just to just kind of be left there in limbo. And I think about all of the, all of the, the patriarchs that we read about. I think about uh, even Noah. And then you get into Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and um, just on down all the way through. And these, all of these people were holding on to these words of Christ, to these words of God, that one day he is going to redeem his people. Um, 4,000 years to hinge on words. And they weren't even written and compiled into scriptures like we have them. Um, they were not so easily accessible. To think about the things that they were going through in life, um, in history, when you, I always, I was talking to Isabella this week, uh, or Olivia, we were talking about math, we were doing some math homework, and I told her, I said, draw it out. You know, your teacher is not going to mind if you sketch the rectangle so you can make sure you're getting all your dimensions. I said, I do the same thing in, in Bible study. I always, I have to envision it. Um, and I told her, I said, when I was a kid, my, my grandparents had a garden in their backyard. And so for all of my life, if I close my eyes, I go back to, and I think about the Garden of Eden. As a child, that's the only garden I knew of. And so it was, that was what I envisioned. Um, but I think about Daniel and everything Daniel went through. Um, being taken from his home at 16, likely watching his family be killed, drug on that road to Babylon, um, and everything that he saw. What was his faith in? His faith was in God and the words that he had, that he had spoken. Um, so we see words significant. God is revealed in words. And finally, we're going to see that we communicate through words. And this is just the most basic, simple thing. We all know we, we communicate through words. Um, but there's nothing that we depend on more than our ability to give and receive communication. Uh, going back to uh, Marshall Lawrence uh, one more time and, and his ministry, Silent Blessings, he, this is, this is really what broke my heart um, and why I remember listening to that that day. He was talking about uh, his daughter had gone through school and they were going to look at a deaf college. And so they were at the deaf college and a, a faculty member there at the college saw him signing to his daughter. And 
she came over and she said, are, are you here with a school visit? And he said, no, I'm, I'm, I'm the dad. This is my daughter, introduced her. And he said the faculty member at this deaf college was astounded. And, and like, just, you're her dad? And he said, yeah, I'm, I'm her dad. Why, why is this so, why is this such a big deal? And she, and she said, deaf parent, uh, parents of deaf children never learn sign language. And he said that was odd to him. So he started doing some research and he found that 90% of deaf children are born to hearing parents. And out of those, 8% of parents will learn sign language. And I remember sitting in the, in, the, in the truck hearing that thinking, are you serious? That there are parents out there who cannot strike that, who will not speak to their kids? And it's heartbreaking think about that to think that my kids how could my kids do anything in life if they couldn't speak and they couldn't communicate um, I mean it's, it's just mind blowing to think that people would not be able to communicate with their children and it puts it into perspective for me because, and this is, you know, confession time, my biggest problem is not talking. I get quiet, I shut down, and so I just don't talk. And it's not even a, like I'm trying to ignore you, like I'm, I'm guilty of this, Sarah will tell you, she will ask me something and I, I will go get what she asked for, but I'll never acknowledge that she spoke with my words. And it's something I'm terrible with. And then I'm doing the study and I'm thinking about, uh, I'm thinking about this guy and, and his deaf daughter. And I'm thinking, well, God's given me an ability to communicate. I need to communicate. I need to be able to express to my wife that I'm listening to you. I hear you. I need to be able to express to my kids, again, Abigail, y'all know Abigail, she's a little blonde one, she's running around with glasses. Um, that child, she's the one who uses up everybody's spare words. And I can be in the middle of doing something and she will ask me the same question a dozen times. And again, me, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to be about action. I'm going to do, I'm not going to talk about it. From the next room, Sarah says, she's going to keep asking unless you answer. <laughs> my kids should be able to expect that I will speak to them, that I will use my words to communicate to them because they don't know my heart. Um, and when I think about you know, all of the, the cares and the, and the worries of being an adult, it's not their problem. 
I can take the time and I can speak to them. I can communicate. Words, uh, we also communicate um, with words uh, in the way that they direct our existence and our relationships. Um, if Sarah asks me for something and I don't answer her, then she thinks I'm ignoring her. And then it's all downhill from there. And that's not okay. The same thing, you know, my words can really lift up and encourage her. They can do the same thing for anybody. Uh, go with me, uh, I didn't have this plan, but go with me to James chapter 3. Back in our Waken conference, um, Brother Taylor Gillespie uh, preached an entire sermon on this passage of scripture. Um, and the heading in my Bible says, the untamable tongue. Um, let's see, that's verse five. See how great or I'm sorry, even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and is set on fire by hell. Just to think about how powerful our words are. And in that, um, in that, sermon that he, he preached, he used the, um, the news report, uh, but he used a story about the forest fire that took over Gatlinburg, Tennessee, um, back, I guess it was probably five or six years ago. It was right over Thanksgiving, um, and I remember it because we were there. Like, we were, we were there for Thanksgiving, we were uh, just outside of Gatlinburg, and um, Pigeon Forge in Sevierville, and you could see the smoke on the mountain. You knew there was a fire, but you know it was well contained. Well, we left Gatlinburg, and we drove to Memphis, six seven-hour drive, uh, probably eight because we stopped to eat and you know all that. Um, but we got home and turned on the news, and saw everything was just burning. Like it was not the same place it was just eight hours before. And you know, people joked, you know, y'all just came back from there. Did you flick a cigarette out the, out the window on the way out of town? Um, and I mean, it was just astonishing. And Brother Gillespie used um, this passage and that story just to talk about that forest fire and what our words can do. And I want us to think about that in our relationships they have the power to build and to strengthen and to edify, but at the same time, they can burn it down to the ground. I need to watch my words. We all need to watch our words. He used, uh, in, the, in that sermon, he you know used, I think he opened up with, um, y'all finish it, sticks and stones may break my bones. And he talked about how much of a lie that is. Um, you know, we teach our kids to say that just so, uh, just brush it off, you know, it'll be okay. 
but our words can hurt so badly. Finally, our words belong to God and not us. If we think about everything in our life that God has given us and God has blessed us with, everything that he has given us is a tool for us to accomplish his plan and his purpose that we can honor and glorify him that we can point people to him with our words at the same time we have the power to drag his name through the mud and unfortunately I'm guilty all too many times of the latter I think it's just good to to think about our words not as an idea, not as me sharing me and who I am, but it is a tool that God has given me and he's given us to lift him up and to praise his name. Um, One thing I, I so enjoy about River City, these screens right up here, um, when we are in worship to see the words on the screen um, even tonight normally I'm up here on the cajon I get that little bitty screen depending on if Brianna and Murph in the way um, but I get to sit out here on Wednesday nights I sat out here Sunday with the uh, with the Irwins and seeing the words that I'm so used to singing And even Sarah's grandmother mentioned this week, she said that she has learned so much through even the the older hymns that we sing. She sang them for years out of a a hymn book with just, you know, all the words are crammed up on on the page there. But she said it's different to look and to actually see the words as you're singing them. You know, these, are, these words, again, they are tools that God has given us. And as we uh, go through our week, I, I just caution you, you know, just, just think about those words. They're currency that we cannot take back. Um, you know, we, we often joke, it's, it's 2022, we often talk about, you know, if you need to release that tension, go ahead and type out that text message and then hit delete delete it all, do it with the email, do it with the social media post or whatever, because it is a, it's a currency that we cannot take back. There's no, we can go and we can ask for forgiveness. Only God can forget. We as humans can forgive. It's always going to be back there in the back of our mind, ready for the devil to, you know, just flick it to the forefront. Remember when he said this? Remember when she said that? So let's just think about, you know, the words that we use this week. Um, and we'll look forward to um, Brother Andy's uh, lesson next week. So any questions, comments, concerns? All righty. Well, I'll close in a word of prayer, and I guess we can be dismissed. Father, I love you, and I thank you so much for this day, and I thank you for the opportunity you've given me to study about our words, and Lord, to study the purpose and the gift that they are. 
Lord, I pray that as we go through our week, Lord, that we would be mindful of these truths. I pray that you would help us to edify you, to uh, bless your name. I pray that we would edify each other and encourage one another. Help us to um, be mindful of, of all of these things. Lord, we do ask that you would uh, keep us safe. Lord, be with those who are sick and unable to be with us tonight. I pray that you would bring us all back here Sunday for a wonderful day in your house. We love you and we thank you. In your name we pray. Amen.